0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.
1: So this is exciting. I love uh, the movie month when we do it, and we've kind of extended it. We're in September already, which is exciting but also daunting uh, because we're getting there at the end of the year, but we're doing... um, the movies, and it's been awesome. I know this time last year I actually preached and I said I was preaching on the greatest movie of all time. Uh, and for those of you who remember, I preached on The Lion King, uh, which who would agree that's the greatest movie of all time? Yeah, there's a few people out there. I think it's up there. I can't believe that it. it's like 25 years old or something like that. <laughs> but this year, uh, this year I've uh, gone for something, uh, just a really powerful movie that I think is awesome. Uh, And it's a movie called Hidden Figures. Just give me a wave if you've seen Hidden Figures before. Yeah, if you haven't, you're in for a treat and I'll hope not to spoil it so that uh, you can go go away and watch it. I remember last year, someone preached on Frozen because we did kind of a kids one and uh, Caleb and I, neither of us had seen Frozen. And so, you know, we went home and we're like, well, we've got to like discover what this movie's actually about and what happens. So after church, one Sunday night, we watched Frozen. And uh, yeah, I was, you know, I don't know if you, that you should admit that in public. Um, <laughs> without children, we, we had a child who's just too young and he was in bed. But, uh, you know, tonight, maybe that's you. You go home and watch Hidden Figures. Uh, it's a great movie. And I wanted to kind of start by setting the scene a little bit, um, just for you. It's This is based on a true story, this movie. Uh, and what happens is, is the story really around three women. Uh, and what they do is they play a, a really key role in uh, the race to the moon, the space race, uh, the race that NASA is involved with, with the Soviet Union. So just to give you a little bit of background, if you don't know very much, they were racing against Russia uh, to put a man in space. Uh, to launch an astronaut. And, and the Russians were ahead. They had sent this guy called Yuri Gagarin and he'd gone off into space. And so the American people were like, well, you know, we're like the mightiest nation on earth. So we can't have this happening. So we've got to do whatever it takes to get to that point. And so uh, they're in this race and there's lots of pressure. And so they're thinking, okay, what are we going to need? What is it going to take to get there? And so the movie is set uh, in 1961 and it's set in a place called Langley, Virginia, Uh, and it's in a research center, and there's this special group called the Space Task Force, Uh, and their job really is to get the next astronaut into space. Uh, Their whole thing is about sending an astronaut into space, so they're at a point where they haven't kind of yet actually sent a man into space, so they're not quite at the point yet of sending someone to the moon. Uh, But it's good, and really, um, this is an interesting time in the States, Uh, So, if you know anything about history, the segregation laws that existed in the States were still in place at the start of this movie or when this movie uh, is set. And so, actually, you know, there were separate toilets uh, for uh, white Americans and black Americans. There were separate buses. There were uh, separate schools for colored people. Uh, And so, this movie takes place right in the center of that. That's the context of what's going on. And so it's pretty incredible. um, And I I don't want to spoil it, but if you want an inspirational movie, um, Shelley would agree, (laughs) it's a good movie. Uh, So even at NASA, uh, they have separate buildings. They have uh, separate centers for... The scientists, the engineers, at this point they'd never had uh, a coloured engineer, they'd never had uh, really, you know, anyone who uh, was coloured doing any of the kind of key roles, Uh, the scientists, the engineer. Uh, But they had this group of women who who were brilliant and you'll see, based on on the movie, it's amazing uh, because if you research afterwards, these women who this movie is based on are awesome uh, just incredible, but what uh, they had is this woman, and they, so computers were, were a new thing, uh, and so they actually, they had women who computed things, uh, and so they were called computers, uh, and before they get the first IBM, which is like the first computer uh, that they get at NASA, and you'll see that that's part of the movie, uh, but at the time, um, uh, these, these women are in uh, NASA and they're a part of NASA and they're brilliant, incredibly intelligent women and they are in this group together and they compute the maths, uh, you know. Uh, sending someone into space involves a lot of maths uh, and so uh, they have these women and it's just amazing and so uh, really because there's so much uh, pressure to get the astronauts into space, uh, they're looking for people with particular skills They're wanting to find these women or these people, and they can't find uh, the person that they need anywhere. Uh, So they need someone to do a role, but they can't find them anywhere. Uh, And so they end up getting to the point, they uh, go to all the white men and the women, and they can't find anyone with the skills that they need. And so they go to this group of ladies, uh, the computers, and they find this one lady. Um, And this is the first clip, just to show you, set the scene of what's happening here. So roll clip. mrs mitchell we're on double time this morning girls i need these calculations before lunch
2: space test group needs a computer
0: asap someone with a handle on analytic geometry we can't fill that position out of the east group permanent or temp
1: everything's temporary
0: Dorothy. you have someone
3: oh, yes ma'am katherine's the gal for that she can handle any numbers you put in front of her I'll check her credentials.
1: Skirts must be worn past the knee. Sweaters are preferred to blouses. No jewelry. A simple pearl necklace is the exception. Your supervisor is Mr. Al Harrison, director of the space test group. You'll write research, proof calculation, and so forth. Do not talk to Mr. Harrison unless he talks to you. Not many computers last more than a few days. He's been through a dozen in as many months. Come on, keep up. Things move fast around here. Your clearance. They've never had a colored in here before, Catherine. Don't embarrass me.
0: Wasn't emptied last night.
3: I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not the custodian. Excuse me, ma'am. Mr. Harrison's computer reported. Take the desk in the back. I'll get you work in a bit.
1: Mr. Harrison won't warm up to you. Don't expect it.
3: Do your work. Keep your head down. Thank you. Go on. Get settled.
2: Paul, why are we still losing shingles off the heat shield?
0: Uh, we're, we're working with a prototype of the capsule, Al. It's lit as one third the size. I, wasn't I get it? that. So.
2: What do we do with our million dollar fan Carl? Turn it down. No, I don't like think. It was a joke. Paul, if the heat shield comes off. What do you think happens to our astronaut? I know. So we're going to. We're going to come up with a salt, right?
0: Th- yes, sir.
2: We're working on it. What's the status on that computer?
3: She's right behind you, Mr Harrison.
2: Does she handle analytic geometry?
3: Absolutely, and she speaks. Yes, sir, I do. Which one? Both, geometry and speaking.
2: Ruth, uh, get me the. You think you, uh, you think you can find me the Frenet frame for this data, using the Gram Schmidt
3: orthogonalization algorithm? Yes, sir. I prefer it over Euclidean coordinates.
2: Okay, good. Good, then I'm gonna need it by the end of the day. Yes.
1: 711. These are
3: the numbers, Mr. Hanson. Okay? Okay. Yes, i um, absolutely... Excuse me. May I ask where the
1: latest room is? Sorry, I have no idea where you're gathering.
3: Yes, sir.
0: Sometimes my mind does When I'm running Together we'll fly Over no more running Run! Run! Yes,
2: Mr.
3: Harris?
2: Where's, where's that girl with the number?
0: On a break.
2: We'll take breaks now?
0: Sometimes my mind does. Free I'm just sick of tired of running Together we fly oh, But no more running
3: Whoa. My God, where have you been? Are you finished yet? Uh, almost <clears> He <throat> say so by the end of the day The end of the day
1: around here was yesterday
2: I need those done first.
1: He wants those done first. Okay, get going. doesn't your heart just really go out to her? (laughs) And you think, man, imagine what that kind of situation would be like, going to work and, and having that. And this evening, what I wanted to talk to you about was living an overcoming life, living an overcoming life. Uh, because when you look at that, Catherine's got lots of challenges. There's lots going on in her life. You know, she's dealing with attitudes of people, the condescending attitudes. Uh, that She's dealing with outright prejudice, uh, people who just, you know, they won't drink from the same coffee pot that she drinks from. Uh, and she's treated like an outcast. And, but what's incredible about her is that somehow she manages to maintain a great attitude, Uh, somehow uh, she maintains there's something that she understands that she's a part of something bigger uh, and she can see the purpose in it. And so even though uh, she comes to work and she suffers uh, prejudice, there's something about what she uh, understands that she's a part of that means that she can maintain a great attitude. And uh, I love that thought because, you know, all of us are going to face challenges all of us are going to face things uh, that that just we have to kind of make a decision how we respond to those things uh, and you know uh, for her the, the amazing thing is that she knows i'm part of something significant you know i may go to work and have all of these things happen but actually there's something about my life something about what i'm doing that's making a difference uh, and and i love that that god has got a plan like that for us You know that we know for each one of us, God has got a great plan. We know uh, in um, Colossians 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And in that early stages of life, God is checking out our attitudes. God's seeing how are we responding, what do we do? Uh, And so my first point tonight is this, your attitude is very powerful, You know, your attitude can change things. It can change things for the better, or it can change things for the worse, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that the situation that you're experiencing is altered, but actually how you uh, respond, how you uh, go through that situation, how you uh, are able to overcome uh, is often determined uh, a lot by our attitude. You know, a negative attitude can destroy it can destroy your home. It can destroy uh, your environment. It can mean you, you never find freedom. You can feel imprisoned in a situation. Now, it's not saying that your situation is easy, but the way that we choose uh, to have an attitude towards our situation can determine a lot about how we get through it. You know, our positive attitude is is the same. You know, it's amazing. I just read Ernest Shackleton's book about Ernest Shackleton and uh, the 1915 Adventure to the South Pole. If you want a great book to read, it's super exciting. I, I say read, I actually listened to it. Caleb tells me that's not the same thing. But anyway, it's awesome. 10 hours worth of listening. Great, great decision. But you know, it's an incredible story, and their attitude had a massive amount to play in their survival. And I won't spoil that story for you, but attitudes are powerful. You know, a powerful attitude can allow you to thrive. It can mean that you can endure circumstances uh, that, that just, uh, otherwise you'd lose hope. That it can cause you to see the best in a situation, even when, like Catherine, your situation is incredibly difficult. And, and I think God is, is looking to see what kind of attitude are we choosing to have, in Luke 16 verse 10, it says, "Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much." Now often we think about that in terms of resources, but you know if you think about that in terms of the whole of life, uh, sometimes we think, "Man, ah. Oh. This situation is harder. I feel like I've got all this capacity, but, I, but I'm not getting opportunities. Oh God, I, I'm believing maybe God's given you a picture of what your life is going to be like in the future. And, and right now you're just not seeing that come to pass. You know, you know that there's been awesome things spoken over you, but when you look at your circumstances right now, it just doesn't feel like that's actually coming to pass. And it's easy to see small things is not worth our time. Or that they don't matter. You know, for us, I think God is looking for our attitude and work and school. Maybe you're leading an e-group. You know, the roles that we can show that we can be trusted with things. Maybe that seems small, but actually what he's wanting to do is entrust us with those things so that we can be found faithful. And he can see, hey, actually you came through that and I'm going to believe to entrust you for greater things. I reckon part-time jobs is one of those things, right? Who's had a part-time job? Yeah, you know, especially when you're at high school, man, part-time jobs. I worked in a rest home as a teenager and uh, the, the job that I had was an hour and a half and it took me half an hour to bike there and half an hour to bike home. And often it would rain because I lived in Palmerston North. So it was like two and a half hours and you got paid an hour and a half wages. And it often took me longer than an hour and a half to do. And it was really tough sometimes to be motivated to want to go to work. You know, it's like one of those situations. It felt like a lot of effort for not very much pay. Uh, But actually, uh, you know, one of those situations I learned a lot working in that job I learned about caring for people, I learned about giving dignity to people who couldn't necessarily look after themselves, Uh, but it was about attitude, because there were days when I'd get there, and man, I, you know, took everything within me to be kind and compassionate and not just kind of rush past, but part-time jobs, they're a little bit like that, but believing, okay, God, this is maybe not what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, but in this moment, actually, you've given me an opportunity and I can choose how to respond because actually the, the choice about my attitude has the greatest impact on me and on how I find that situation. You know, maybe you've got a dream to become a successful business owner or to one day run a company and, and it can feel far away. You know, often if you think of people in, in history who've been incredibly significant, they've had thousands of times where, where things have failed. Inventors are like a classic. You read all the stories about all the famous inventors who like had a thousand inventions before they invented something awesome. I think the, you know, the guy who invented the light bulb, it's like he just kind of kept going after failure after failure, and it'd be easy to give up. But actually, as we are entrusted uh, with small things, God's saying, okay, what are you going to do about that thing? Even if it seems small, uh, having that opportunity to be able to do something with it and to be proven faithful, and God's like, man, if you can do that, then I've got more that I want to entrust with you. And maybe that's the same with leading people or having a significant role in someone's life. You know, we don't necessarily get that role straight away. Actually, God uh, asks us to do things that maybe are hidden or maybe in a place where we don't necessarily see the fruit straight away. But actually, we can show, God, I'm going to take care of what you've given me in my hand. And I'm believing that with that, uh, that actually as I'm committed, as I value the people and the opportunities, that I'll be found faithful. And you can entrust me with more. And and I love that Catherine does it. You know, she chooses a good attitude. And if you watch a little bit more of the movie, we're not going to watch the clips about it. But it's amazing uh, the fact that she just believes, man, I'm part of something significant. There's something exciting going on, and I want to be a part of it. And we can't choose our situation, but we can always choose our attitude. Uh, The second clip we'll watch, and then I'll have a chat after Ruth, yes, give
2: me sir. the cape on the line. Shepherd's trajectories need to be updated. Wow. Where is she? <laughs> you and I are
0: different from each other. Shut I eye with them I see numbers. Black and white were the future, I am color.
2: you been everywhere I look. You're not where I need you to be. It's not my imagination. Now, where the hell do you go every day?
3: To the bathroom, sir.
2: To the bathroom. To the damn bathroom. For forty minutes a day. What are you doing there? We're t minus zero here. I put a lot of faith in you.
3: There's no bathroom for me here.
2: What do you mean there's no bathroom for you here?
3: There is no bathroom. There are no colored bathrooms in this building, or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself, and I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison, my uniform. Skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't
0: pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog day and night, living off a coffee from a pot none of you want to touch.
3: Excuse me if I have to go to the restroom a few times a day.
2: No more colored restrooms. No more white restrooms. Just plain old toilets. Go wherever you damn well please. Preferably closer to your desk. Here at NASA, we all pee the same color.
1: I love that line. We all pee the same color. <laughs> you know, we see in this clip that Catherine has done all that she can do, but there's just some things that she can't do. She physically can't bring the bathroom closer to herself. But Al, like a champion, Al's awesome, he kind of rises up and he makes that impossible happen now he can't change everything out in Virginia and uh, the surrounding area, but he can make a difference in NASA and for Catherine. And I love that picture because actually it's like our God. There are times in our lives where we've done all that we can do. We've prayed with God. We've believed for change. We've sought Him, uh, and we've you know we need His help, but we need Him to do miracles. And so the second point to living an overcoming life is to trust God for the impossible. You know, I, I love the Bible because there's so many stories where God comes through in a way that's incredibly, uh, just seems impossible. And one a great story that, you know, we've known uh, from our childhood at Sunday school is the, the story of the children of Israel. And they're, they're captive in uh, Egypt. And God sets them free. He sends a whole lot of plagues. And at the last time that they're sent out and they're running, and they get to a point at the Red Sea and they're like trapped. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do in this situation? An impossible situation. In Exodus 14, it says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? It's interesting, eh, how quickly <laughs> things can change. Uh, what have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. It's crazy in an impossible situation how when you're being led to freedom, that in a moment you can kind of think, oh, slavery would have been a better option. <laughs> Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord, and the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And in that moment, uh, Moses speaks to the water, lifts up his hands and God passed the Red Sea just an incredible moment i like I, I don't know sometimes you know it's easy to forget that these are actually real things that happened you know that these are real people in history who experienced this incredible situation but we need to learn to trust and lean on him and believe for the impossible Because there'll be things in our life that it just seems like there's just no other way for it to happen. But we serve a God of the impossible. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The, The thought that you can have a river in a desert seems impossible But for all of us, there'll be situations in our lives where we find, man, God, I need you to move. Maybe it's health. Maybe you're believing, hey, God, actually, I haven't seen the healing that I need, but I'm believing and I'm trusting in you. And we serve a God of the impossible. You know, maybe it's believing uh, for something else, believing for breakthrough for your family, believing for financial breakthrough, believing for a spouse, believing for different things. You know, we serve a God, and we, uh, as we trust in Him, uh, we learn to, to be overcomers, to live an overcoming life. And I love with Catherine, you know, that she, she recognizes, I, I don't have what it takes But actually, in that situation, Al's able to do something in her life. And we serve a God that's so much more powerful than Al. You know, he's so much more able to to, to change situations, to, to turn things around in a moment. And I love the power of testimony because it reminds you again and again, God, you've done it for somebody else. And so I'm believing that you've done, you know, you can do it in my situation That actually when you hear that, the power of a testimony is saying, God, do it again. And that's so it's important to share our testimonies because they bring faith. They give us hope to believe, God, actually, you can do the impossible in my situation. So when we're living an overcoming life, our attitude is important and we trust God for the impossible And we're going to watch a third clip in a second, but just to give you a a bit of understanding, the pace has has heated up uh, and the pressure to get the astronaut astronaut into space is growing. Uh, It's more important, there's lots of pressure on them from the government. And uh, so there's a special meeting that happens uh, with these guys from the government and those guys from the military. And uh, the meeting's about to be convened, and Catherine asks to go into this kind of top level meeting. Uh, now, they don't let women in this kind of meeting, and they definitely don't let coloured women in this kind of meeting. And uh, But she asks. Uh, and uh, Al says, right, on this occasion, you can come, but you have to keep quiet. Uh, and so, with that in mind, this is the next clip.
0: Morning. Morning.
2: Mm-hmm. This is Katherine Goble with our trajectory and launch window division. Her work is pertinent to today's proceedings. Come on. Want to get her a chair? We have a confirmed launch window. Get her a chair, yes, sir. We have a confirmed launch window for Friendship 7. Let's discuss a landing zone. The Navy needs a singular landing zone. 20 miles square is what we can service for retrieval. Outside of that, we risk the capsule's recovery.
0: We'd like three possible recovery areas. We
2: can't cover half the damn ocean. With all due respect, our capsule's being altered daily. We're orbiting the Earth at what speed now? Uh,
3: 17,544 miles per hour. At the time the rocket delivers the capsule into low space orbit.
2: Well, that's one hell of a speeding ticket. Okay, so we have the vehicle's speed, the launch window, and, for argument's sake, the landing zone is the Bahamas. Should be enough to figure the go-no-go? Yeah, in theory, sir. We need to be past theory at this point. We'll be able to calculate a go-no-go with that information. When exactly is that gonna happen? (laughs) Catherine? go at it? The
3: goal point. Re-entry is 2,990 miles from where we want Colonel Glenn to land. If we assume that's the Bahamas, it's 17,544 miles per hour upon reentry, 370 feet at a descent angle of 46.56 degrees distance Velocity squared, sun, gravity squared, sun, 32 feet, and the distance would be 20,530,372 feet, or 2,990 miles, or 46, 33 degrees. Okay, so that puts your landing zone at 5.0667 degrees north, 77.3333 degrees west, which is here. Right here. Give or take 20 square miles.
2: I like your numbers. Thank you. That, of course, is assuming the capsule hits the re-entry point exactly. How do we ensure that? Well, that's the math we don't have yet, gentlemen. We're working on it. Catherine? It's
1: an awesome moment. (laughs) You know, it's incredibly jaw-dropping when you watch that because you realise she just does it straight from her head. You know, just think, man—the thought of that is mind-blowing. But what's amazing is that as you watch this movie, uh, you realise that you know she's been talented, but she couldn't—well, she wasn't born knowing how to do that, right? She's developed the gift that's within her. She's uh, worked at it. She's uh, been able to, to do things, and she's developed what God's put in her. And for us to live an overcoming life, it's to honor the gift that God has put in each one of us. Now, it'd be pretty awesome if someone, that this was the gift that God had given you, you know, being able to do maths like that in your head. Uh, but for each one of us, you know, we know in Ephesians 2, it talks about for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepares in advance for us to do. We know that's an awesome thing. And, you know, we think about that thought of a masterpiece, that it takes time, that uh, it's patience and effort to develop something of great worth. And that's like that for us. You know, God's put things in us, God's put potential in us, but it's a decision that we have to say, God, I'm going to honor the gift that you've put in me and I'm going to develop my gifts. Uh, I'm going to develop the things that you've given me. uh, Proverbs 18 verse 16, it says, A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You know, I, I'm, I'm always inspired by musicians uh, because music is definitely not a talent or a gift that I have been uh, blessed with. Uh, I'm glad that Josh seems to have more of Caleb's musical ability than he does mine because, um, you know, I can play a few chords, but that's about all. But, you know, musicians, to be brilliant, they have to develop a gift. Uh, They have to spend time practicing, they have to uh, develop it, they have to work on it, they have to learn skills. You know, some people are naturally talented, but actually, you know, the talented will be overtaken by the hardworking over time. And I was, uh, when we were recently in Balclutha, Caleb's mum was telling me this story about uh, when he first wanted to play the drums. And they said to him, okay, you can play the drums. We'll buy you a drum kit if you play on pillows for six months. (laughs) And so for six months, he practiced on pillows. And they were like amazed uh, that he actually persisted for that long. Uh, But what was awesome, after six months, they were like, okay, I guess, yep, that's it. We have to buy him a drum kit, you know. But, But actually, learning something and developing a gift and a skill that you've got, it takes time. A sports person knows, you know, you don't become an Olympian overnight. Actually, you have to develop the gift that's in you. And uh, whatever it is that the gift that God has given us, uh, we have to develop it. And there's a guy called John Wooden, he says this, Ability may get you to the top, but it's character, uh, it takes character to keep you there. You know, that's a challenging thought. What do we do when no one's watching? You know, how how do we uh, treat others when we're successful? How do we uh, treat others when we get to this point of, uh, you know, things going really well? Do we remember who helped us along the way? Do we still, you know, act with the same uh, humility towards the situation and people? You know, do we give God the glory? Or do we start to think, oh yeah, I I worked pretty hard and I'm pretty awesome, (laughs) But for us, there's that decision to make. And for us, you know, as we develop the gifts, to live an overcoming life, it's to honor the gifts that God's put in us. Because he's given us things that we're good at, but what our job is to to use those uh, and to develop them to be able to do all of the things that he's called us to do. I was recently talking to a gentleman who's a granddad, and he was saying, You know, I think potential is one of those things in life that's really challenging. You know, the thing with potential is that when you're young, potential is a really great thing to have. Uh, But when you get to to be old, if if you've still just got a whole lot of potential, uh, then it's not a great situation, right? Because actually, potential is awesome, but it's what you do with that potential uh, that sees your gift developed. And for Catherine, you know, she had math skill. But actually, in order to be able to get to the point uh, where she was able to do incredible uh, calculations like that, she needed to develop the gift in her life. She needed to be able to do that. And uh, what we're going to do is is watch the last clip. But before we do that, just to kind of fill you in, things have progressed. Uh, And they're ready to launch the spacecraft. Uh, They're ready to send uh, Colonel Glenn... uh, into Orbit, the guy who um, was there in that meeting, and uh, in the in-between time, they've got an IBM, Uh, so one of the first computers, they've got this ginormous computer, it's like humongous, it kind of fills this whole room, Uh, and it's been taking over the, the job that the ladies did of being computers. Uh, And it's cool, a pretty cool kind of side story, uh, if you watch it about one of the other ladies and what they do in that situation. Uh, But it can do thousands of calculations in a fraction of the time. Uh, And it's really, it's taking uh, away the job from the ladies. And so Catherine isn't needed anymore. Uh, So we'll see she's been sent back to the room with the other ladies uh, and she's working with them. But the, the day of the launch is coming. Uh, And the coordinates that IBM has created are different from the day before. And so they start to panic, uh, but we'll watch what happens.
2: And Colonel John Glenn will be the first American to orbit the Earth. As you can see, there are thousands of people here today to witness this historic event. Paul, something's off here. These landing coordinates don't match yesterday's. The, The IBM just ran them. Well then the IBM's wrong yesterday. Right? The damn thing's wrong today. Paul? Am I right? It appears so. The IBM's been spot on up to this point, John, but we'll run it again, see what it comes up with. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you, Al. When I fly, I fly the machine. And right now it seems like this machine's flying me. We're on the same page, John. Our guys are on it. Let's get the girl to check the numbers. The girl? Yes, sir. You mean Catherine? Yes, sir. The smart one. I mean, she says they're good. I'm ready to go. All right, we'll get into it. Roger. Sam, go find Catherine Goble. She needs to verify Glenn's go, no go, or we're staying on the ground. Yes, sir.
0: Looking for Catherine Goebel. It's
3: Catherine Johnson now.
0: They need you to verify these coordinates. All
2: right, give us some space. though so to work. After years of waiting and months of delays, Colonel Glenn is finally ready for that space flight that we've been waiting for with so much anticipation. <laughs> A hesitancy on NASA's behalf, but let us say without reservation that the safety of Colonel John Glenn is paramount to the mission and to the nation itself. No, sir, we're still a go. Yes, sir. That's
3: it. <sighs> what the devil are you doing? Are you taking a break?
0: Say
2: fourteen, Catherine.
0: Sir, we've got Pat fourteen on the box. All
2: right, let me in. This is Langley. We have the coordinates confirmed.
0: Stand by, Langley. We
2: can confirm the go, no-go point for reentry is 16.11984 degrees latitude, minus 165.2356 degrees longitude. The launch window is a go. The landing coordinates match. that is very good news, Al. It's uh, a little hard to trust something you can't look in the eyes. That's right, Colonel. Catherine did manage to calculate a few decimal points further than that hunk of metal. Well, I will take every digit you got. Be sure to thank her for me. Gentlemen, let's launch this rocket. Good luck, Friendship 7. Godspeed, Langley.
1: I won't tell you what happens because I reserved the ending. It's a bit exciting. So uh, you may want to watch it afterwards. But I love, I love that picture. You know, there's that moment where the door is slammed in her face. And, and I think, you know, sometimes in life it can feel like that for us. It's not a nice feeling. You know, you feel like, man, you know, I'm believing for something happening, something's changing. But we've done the best that we can do. Uh, we've given it all to our situation, but actually the door just feels like it's closed in our face. And, and I don't know about you, but in those moments, it's easy to feel discouraged. You know, it's easy to feel rejected. It's easy to feel like, man, I've, I've tried my best and, and this is the situation. But actually, uh, it's an incredibly tender moment when, when Al comes, the big man, he comes and he opens the door and, and he welcomes her in. And in Romans 8, 31 to 37, I kind of summarized it a bit. It says this, If God is on our side, can anyone be against us? Can anything separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble, suffering and hard times, or hunger and nakedness, or danger and death? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, living and overcoming life, we have to believe and know that God is for us. Because actually this picture is is really a picture of the way that God brings us in. You know, that actually we don't have clearance. We don't have what it takes to be able to come into relationship with Him. But He opens the door and He gives us clearance. He gives us the ability to come into relationship. Now, you know, there's lots of different ways. First, He opens the door through salvation. And he says, hey, actually, you know, it's not possible for you to spend eternity with me because of your sin, but I'm inviting you in. I've given Jesus, I've made it possible. I've, I've given the sacrifice for your sin so that you may be reunited with me. And I love uh, that the invitation is there, but there's a decision to say, God, I'm choosing to accept your invitation today. I'm choosing to accept what you've done for me. I'm choosing uh, to believe that actually you want me with you.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.